It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's episode. We're going to take a look at Pete Crow Armstrong, a little bit uh, more in-depth look here for him. We mentioned him just briefly, Jeff Ellis and I did, on last week's episode in which we talked about the possibilities for the Reds at number 12 this Wednesday in the first round of the MLB draft. Going to look at him because he has piqued my interest in different things that I've read. Also want to talk about the finer points of the new proposal by Major League Baseball to the Players Union. We'll talk about that a bunch. I'm not going to get on my soapbox. I promise. I know I've done that a bunch. I know that you know my position. And I know that we're all just you know, finally to the point where we just want baseball back. Anyway, going to break down what that is and maybe get to a couple of Locked On Reds line things as well. But before we get into all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. As the season hopefully gets going here soon, there will be lots and lots more content on those social media outlets. Also, check out the Locked On Reds line at 513 549 0159. So let's start with the new proposal. Major League Baseball has reached back out to the Players Union after they received the counter offer of 114 games and all of that good stuff. And they've come back with 76. And of course, the key component to all of this is the financial part and they said that they would pay the players 75% of their prorated salary so not still not 
the level of pay that the players have been asking for, the union has been adamant and steadfast in its demand for no more concessions in pay. And the owners have once again come back with an ask for concessions in pay. However, they did make provisions for any player to opt out of playing, but it is only those who would be deemed high risk that would be treated as players on the injured list. So if you're a high-risk player, chances of getting infected and things like that, and, and it would be more detrimental to them, they would still get paid. They would still get credit for their service time. If you are not deemed high-risk and you opt out of playing during the shortened coronavirus season, you would not get paid and you would not get service time. But they do still allow you to opt out of playing this year. There's also uh, promises that the playoffs would not go past Halloween, so the end of October there, as there are some worries that the virus may have a resurgence in the fall. So that is providing things like that. And the other interesting olive branch that the owners provided in their counter offer was during this upcoming offseason, which many players, regardless of it, how many games they play and all this good stuff, many players are very apprehensive about the upcoming offseason with all of the cuts and furloughs and different things like that that teams are making. They're worried that free agency may either be an afterthought or may be a very, very, very muted version of what it's been in the past. And these last couple of years, outside of the city of Cincinnati, that is, it's been pretty boring. There's not been a whole lot of spending. And if you're talking about an even worse version of that, that has players worried. The owners made a concession in this counterproposal that they would get rid of the draft pick compensation and the qualifying offers. So there would be no more, okay, well, the team made its qualifying offer, so if you go get signed by another team, then your new team has to give up like a first or a second round draft pick to your old team. There's, there's not going to be any of that this offseason should the players accept this new proposal. However, most reports are that's not likely to happen because there are still plenty of people reporting that they are far apart on these new ideas. So, We'll see. We'll see how this all goes. That's just the new details of the new proposal and the new thoughts that are coming out. However, they did give, and this is an important part because it's really only been speculated upon and different anonymous people talking about this here lately. The owners specifically gave a timeline to the players to accept or reject by Wednesday because they said... If a agreement is not reached within the next 48 hours, a 76-game season is off the table. It'll be too long for the timeline of making sure that they get done before uh, you know, November and all that other good stuff. So, yeah, if, if we don't have an agreement by Wednesday, we're probably looking at that 50-game season. And as different people have remarked, they're not really into that sort of thing. Look, I'm here for baseball. Whatever baseball we get, when there's baseball, I will be happy because there's baseball. Right now, there's no baseball. I'm not happy. I want baseball. If there's a really, really shortened season, yeah, sure. We, we can deal with how we feel about the season after the fact. I just want to see some baseball on my television. Let's get that figured out. But according to the owners, this 76-game proposal 
must be agreed or disagreed, you know, a decision must be reached by Wednesday. So hopefully we see some movement today and tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, I'm referring to today as this has been, this podcast will be released on Tuesday, June the 9th. But yeah, that's where we stand with this new proposal. As far as, ooh, do I think it's an injustice to the players and all this other stuff? I mentioned this before. I'm not getting on a soapbox. We know what the players have said they want. We know what the owners say they're going to lose if they play games without fans. And we also know that the owners are not willing to share their economic figures with the players. So that continues to add to the distrust. The players, I don't see them conceding to these payment things. I I don't know. We'll, We'll see, man. We'll see. Here in just a moment, I want to break down a guy that I would like to see the Reds pick with the 12th pick in the draft and maybe also get to a couple of Locked On Reds line things as well. But speaking of those Locked On Reds line uh, text messages is this one that I'm referring to. Our buddy down in Florida, Risto, texted me this. Just a personal note here, I realize you are one of the guys advertising Built Bar, but my box came yesterday and I was on the front porch when my mail carrier brought it. So I cracked it open and we both had one of the German chocolate cake bars right then, he and his mailman. We both loved it. I'm impressed with the energy and appetite-suppressing qualities that the bars have. That is especially important for a person of my vintage. Thanks for endorsing a truly good product. So there you go. That is a first-hand account of one of our listeners, shout out to Risto, for ordering Bilt Bar, trying Bilt Bar, and loving Bilt Bar. Look, Bilt Bar is a protein bar with the taste of a candy bar. And just like he said, it's super healthy, has an appetite-suppressing quality. I may have tried it out a couple of times after nights of generous cold beverage intake, and it's a, it's a pretty good... Uh, Sort of uh, thing to eat there uh, in that situation, but uh, Built Bar is an amazing product with so many great flavors. The mint chocolate chip is awesome. The coconut chocolate is awesome. Double chocolate, pineapple upside down cake with a little bit of chocolate in there. They've got a lot of great chocolate flavors, and if you're the type that likes peanut flavors and stuff like that, they've got an even bigger catalog of that as well. It's just in my house. We're not into the whole peanut thing, which is amazing because Built Bar produces their bars in a facility separate from those who produce the peanut ones. So the allergens are not a factor there. There's so many great health benefits with Built Bar. And the best way to get your hands on them is to go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On. You'll get $10 off your first order. And they are an awesome company for customer service. After my first order after I reordered and all that good stuff, they gave me a $10 gift card. Now, I can't vouch if that's like a thing that they do for everybody, but just you know, be aware. I got a $10 gift card after my first order, so I get $10 off my next order, and trust me, there's going to be a next order. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order of the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Just in case you missed it, at the end of last week's podcasts, I had an interview with Jeff Ellis talking about his mock draft that he did and where he had the Reds going 
with the 12th pick in the first round. He had them taking an outfielder named Austin Hendrick, a high school outfielder with a lot of power. And as I read up on him, I got pretty excited. There's another guy, though, that he mentioned that we talked about a little bit but didn't talk about a whole lot. A guy who goes by PCA, and that's because his name is Pete Crow Armstrong. He is a high school outfielder out of Harvard-Westlake in California who... It's interesting because when you look at different draft prognosticators and their big boards and their rankings and all that different stuff, there's many, many differences when you get to like the 10 to 20 range. According to MLB Pipeline, Pete Armstrong is like the 20th ranked dude in this draft. But when you read Keith Law on The Athletic, he is Keith's number 10 prospect and as Jeff had mentioned he could be there at number 12 for the Reds there may be a run on some college pitchers just before the Reds get up there so that could leave the door open for Crow Armstrong and I'm going to read this real quick from Keith Law because I thought this profile was very interesting he said PCA and he didn't say PCA he said Crow Armstrong but I'm going to say PCA whenever I refer to Crow Armstrong because Crow Armstrong is a pretty long name. So PCA may have done as much to help himself in the brief time before the season ended as any high school hitter in the draft. Multiple scouts have told me he's the best defensive outfielder in this class, a future 70 glove in center field who's also a 60 runner and has a plus arm. At the plate, he's gotten quite a bit stronger since last summer and was making consistently hard contact this spring before Harvard-Westlake ended its season. PCA has a good feel to hit and bat speed, although his front side can go soft sometimes and there's more swing and miss than you might want to see for a high school hitting prospect, although he's faced better competition better competition than most prep hitters do. The defensive and positional value give him a higher floor than most teenagers in the class have and the possibility for a 60 bat with 50 power gives him a star ceiling. If this dude's here at number 12, I want to see the Reds pick him. After reading that profile, I trust a lot of the evaluations that Keith Law gives when it comes to prospects and minor leaguers and things like that. He did used to work in a Major League Baseball front office after all, but I love this profile on him. And even though he seems to be one of the higher prognosticators when it comes to PCA, I think this is the route that the Reds should go. Something Jeff Ellis mentioned as well in our talk was that he is a very good contact hitter with good on-base potential. And if he can be a plus fielder with a good arm and stuff like that, and they mentioned, you know, they mentioned the best defensive outfielder in this class with a future 70 glove in center field. Now, for those of you that don't realize, we're talking about the scouting scale of 20 to 80. 80 is the top, and they're talking about his glove could be as good as 70. So he could be a bona fide center fielder in the future. He's 18 years old. He's actually a little bit younger than Austin Hendrick is. So if the Reds are to pick him at number 12, we probably won't see him for you know four years probably. But could be a very interesting future star for the Reds if they can nab him there at number 12. We're going to be continuing to talk draft stuff all this week here on the podcast as we lead up to Wednesday and Thursday 
for the draft. The only thing going on in baseball right now. Also, I uh, forgot to mention, his parents are both in Hollywood. His mom and his dad are both in different things. His mom was a couple of minor characters in some bigger shows like Heroes, and she was a minor character in Minority Report. She also played the mom in Little Big League. I don't know if you guys remember that, but she was in that. And his dad, as well, had some minor roles. Most notably was Detective Byers in Season 2 of American Horror Story. I think that was Asylum. That was an interesting one. But yeah, so that's kind of cool. Not really some reason that you would draft a guy, but kind of cool that both his parents are actors and, and an actor and an actress. Actors, actor, actress, whatever. Yeah, they're both in Hollywood. But yeah, Pete Crow Armstrong is a name to know along with Austin Hendrick. And I've also seen some stuff we're going to talk tomorrow about this particular prospect, a an interesting guy who, according to Keith Law, he is the 12th best pick in this draft. And I saw him mocked to the Reds earlier in the draft talk season. Cade Cavalli, a pitcher. We're going to talk more about him tomorrow, though. Like I said, it's worth having different guys' names just to be floating around for this first round. As far as getting past the first round, that's kind of a crapshoot, but we're going to be looking a lot at some guys who the Reds could be going after at number 12. It could be Austin Hendrick. It could be PCA. It could be Cade Cavalli. It could also be somebody named Nick. And as Craig from Annapolis points out, there's still more in the history of the Reds taking Knicks in the first round. Hey, Jeff. Greg Wyman from uh, Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, just giving me pause outside working on my deck, and I heard you talk about all the Knicks that the Reds had drafted. And I wanted to give you one more, Nick Asaski, the old uh, first baseman. We drafted him, I believe, first round, 1978. So just wanted to give you another Nick that uh, – uh, that we drafted, and unfortunately, uh, uh, Sasky didn't pan out as well as we would have liked. Um, can't remember if he got vertigo when he was with the Reds or not, but he never uh, ended up being a top uh, number one for us, like all the picks that we made in the 70s. Uh, our number ones never seemed to pan out as much uh, uh, after the early part of 1970s. There you have it, another Nick to add to the list of Reds' former draft picks. There is a possibility for the Reds to go after a pitcher named Nick Bitsko, who we talked about a little bit with Jeff Ellis last week as well. We'll probably talk about him before the draft on Wednesday. You're not going to want to miss any of this draft coverage. We'd be coming with you at the Locked on Reds podcast, so subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Gar with three F's and follow the show at Locked on Reds also on Facebook and Instagram, but that's going to do it for us here today. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Like I mentioned, Cade Cavalli will be a subject. I'm going to look back at some of the Reds first round picks and kind of detail what they've done. Yeah. yeah. Look, hindsight's always 2020. So some of these guys, we're going to look back and be like, why did the Reds pick them? But probably at the time, it really seemed like a good idea. Going to break that all down as well on the next episode of the Locked On Reds podcast. But for now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Major League Baseball. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.
Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.